Hey y'all, I'm Sammy, your host of the You Were Made For More podcast. John 10.10 is a promise that Jesus came down to earth so that we would have life and have it abundantly. My prayer is that this podcast and all of the content that we put out would remind every student that they were made for more simply because of who they were created to be. My own walk with the Lord and my relationships with the teenagers that I disciple have shown me that once we understand whose we are, the game changes. Or in other words, transformation happens. Our identity changes everything. We recognize that it takes investment and partnership between the church and parents to raise teens who know and believe who they are in Jesus. And we're here to help. So buckle up as we take this journey and take a look at what God has to say about friendships, relationships, sexuality, dating, and all the things in between. If you have survived sorrow, have felt the pain of grief and know what it's like to lose something, whether that's a dream, a loved one, or anything else really, this episode is for you. Kim Erickson joins us in today's episode to chat through practical ways to survive sorrow, seek God in the middle of it, and move urgently in obedience through the grieving process. Kim speaks to one, the one that wants to share their story of sorrow, and she attests to how we can share it well and what it looked like for her to get to the place that she's in today. I'm going to leave the specifics up to Kim to share with us, but what you need to know is that Kim met the Lord after the sudden death of her son in 2008, so over 10 years ago now. Her testimony is beautiful and it speaks to how God met her in a place of deep grief and sorrow that unfortunately way too many parents understand. In Kim's story, her experience allowed her to see God with a new perspective and now she's following him faithfully and sharing her story to help others struggling with grief find hope and light in the middle of that grief. When Kim was first finding her way through grief she says that she found plenty of stories about grieving um plenty of resources but what she says that she really needed is a resource that walked her through not just grieving but living how do you get through going to the grocery store without crying what do you do with your child's things that has passed away And when will your mind stop replaying the scene which they died? Those questions caused her to dive into the Bible. And now 10 years from that moment, she's written a book called Surviving Sorrow that's blessing so many people. So I'm excited to have this conversation with her. I hope that it blesses you. Here we go. Let's dive in. Hi, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Well, I've First and foremost, I am the wife to Devin Erickson, my husband, and a mom to Ethan and Austin. Ethan is 13 now. He's almost 14, and Austin is in heaven, and I can't wait to see him again. I am an avid studier of my Bible. 
I love to study the Word of God. I'm an author and a speaker, and I'm also an attorney, and I do family-based immigration. So that's all my hats that I wear in a nutshell, and I am, oh goodness, just so honored to just get to talk about my story and to get to tell people about Jesus and help other women study their Bibles. That's one of my great, great passions is helping women get into their Bibles in a way that um, is exciting and easy to understand and really um, encouraging to them. So that's my heart is encouraging women and helping really get over the bumps in, in life and the really hard things that come at us. And I hope that I can you know, be a light and, and shine some hope into some dark places. So that's me in a nutshell. Kim, thank you so much for being with us. I, for one, am so excited. I heard your story on another podcast and knew that I had to invite you on the You Were Made For More podcast. This is a first for our listeners to hear a story of grief and sorrow and practically how how it looks to walk through that on a daily basis. So I want to start just by asking you to tell us um, your testimony. If you could share your story, tell us about your son, Austin, and how he fits into the story of you coming to know him. My story is not an easy one to listen to or to tell, but I think it is a really joyful one and a, a surprising one and and one that I hope uh, is really helping people. So I'll start from where I was. In April of 2008, I was a lawyer in a big fancy law firm in Phoenix, Arizona. And I really thought that I had everything. And I was really really thought I was blessed and I had this great job. I had my dream house. I had a skippy little red convertible. I had the husband I adored. We had two healthy, ornery, beautiful little boys. Austin was three and Ethan was about 15 months old, starting to toddle around, really starting to run at that point. And yeah, I thought I had it all. I really did. And in April of 2008, Austin got sick with strep throat. And let's see, he ran a fever on Monday. And on Tuesday, he still had a fever. So we took him to the pediatrician and they diagnosed strep throat. And on Wednesday night, I took him to urgent care because he had been 24 hours on antibiotics and really was not better. And his fever was still really high. And Uh, They sent us home and told us to see our pediatrician if it didn't get better. And so on Thursday, Devin took him back to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician essentially said, relax, um, don't panic, Uh, it's just strep throat, you have to give the medicine time to work. And um, yeah, and so that's what we did. Even though, man, I knew it. I knew uh, that something was not right. And um, gosh, I was working a ton that week. And I didn't, I didn't see them a lot, actually. We had a nanny 
during the day and my husband had a lot of the child care and I was working a lot and doing what I could late at night and um, anyway so I got up uh, on Friday morning had to make it to the office really early it was about 6 30 probably in the morning when I kissed uh, the baby Ethan in his crib and then I went in to check on Austin and gave him a little kiss and went off to work and about nine o'clock I um, I got a call on my office phone and the nanny was screaming uh, that the ambulance was at her house Austin that's all I really heard was Austin the ambulance her crying and just repeating Austin and ambulance and so I, you know, of course, I'm running down the hallway, uh, getting to my car. My office was about 40 minute drive, probably 30 with no traffic, <laughs> but a little bit of a drive from downtown Phoenix to our home in the suburbs on the west side of Phoenix. So off I went and luckily, um, one of my assistants jumped in the car with me and was like, well, you're not fit to drive. You can't drive. Um, and so she was driving and boy, I hate to, to say it these days, but at the time I didn't even think to pray. It did not even occur to me. So there I was in the worst moment of my life and really the worst nightmare of any parent's life to get a call about your child and the ambulances there and I didn't even think to pray. I didn't even think to call out to God. Like, so that's how far away from God I was. I, I didn't even think to pray. The ambulance was at my house <laughs> with my three-year-old and God was nowhere um, to be found in my mind or in my heart. And, and so while I thought I had everything, right? Like I didn't have God. Like God was not in our lives. Um, and so I didn't think to pray, but what I really wanted to do was be there, right? I wanted to be, uh, where Austin was. And, and so just in my head, I started to try to like, talk to him, like, Austin, can you hear me? Austin, can you, can you hear mommy? Austin, you fight, you know, I'm almost there. I was just talking to him, um, all inside my head, of course, not out loud. And, um, I was just repeating that. You fight. You stay here. Can you hear me? I remember I kept saying that. Can you hear me? Uh, you fight. You stay there. I'm almost there. I'm coming. And boy, something washed over me. Just stopped me in my tracks and washed over me. And it felt amazing. <laughs> There's really no other way to describe it. I've tried for now almost 13 years to describe this moment and I don't have words for it. It it was incredible. I felt wonderful, like euphoric, um, just so good. I felt so amazing. Uh, it was just pure and beautiful, and you know, not out loud, but but somewhere in my heart, I, I heard Austin say, "But mom, it's so pretty here," and he was longed like there was longing in it, and I knew he wanted to stay. And I felt so amazing. I knew he was there wherever this was. It was amazing. And so I just said, okay. And then it was gone. And I was back in my car and I was looking at my assistant and she didn't know anything happened. Um, 
but that's what happened to me. And I, it hasn't happened since. <laughs> I don't think that I can, uh, you know, anyways, it just, that's what happened to me. I was overcome by, by a heaven, I think. And, you know, God allowed me this, this tiny little glimpse uh, of what heaven is going to be like. And I know that my son is there. I knew it. I know it. Um, and so that was a Friday. And on Sunday, uh, I, I insisted that we go to this, this church in our neighborhood and everybody was pretty surprised because I was not going to church. Uh, we were not going to church as a family. And I was like, we are going to church. Like I knew that I knew that I knew that heaven was real and, you know, I had grown up going to church, so I knew about God. I knew about Jesus. I was very unsure about the Jesus part. Um, but now there I sat. My son was gone. Austin did pass on that day. He, he is in heaven. <laughs> um, and, but I knew where he was. I knew that heaven was real. And so, you know, with my like lawyer brain, I was like, wait a minute, if that is true, like if heaven is true and it was that amazing, then what else is true? Like I have to figure out what else is true. And so um, we went to church on that Sunday and the pastor um, finished the service with, with the invitation to accept Jesus. Um, and I did. And uh, that starts my story. So that's, that's my testimony there. That's at least the beginning of my story. And boy, did it, uh, it changed everything. It changed, it changed everything. It, it changed how I grieved. It changed my life, the course of my life. Um, so I found the Lord, um, on the day that Austin passed and really, you know, in many other ways, uh, as I went on with grieving and, and learning about him. And so that's, um, that's my story about how I came to know Jesus and, and where it started. And it's a, um, it's a miracle. I have really no other way to explain it. And boy, I can't believe that I ignored God, rejected God my whole life. I was 38. <laughs> I was 38 years old and still God stepped in and rescued me. And that's just, it's still overwhelming to me. I love hearing you tell your story. And I think the thing that jumps out to me the most is that you were 38 years old when the Lord met you exactly where you were from a foundation of knowing something about him as a child. To me, that is amazing. And it, it truly speaks to the parents who are listening, maybe that feel like it's too late to know God and to follow him. It never is too late. And I think that the other thing that sticks out to me is that the way you talk about such a tragic moment in a person's life, one that I personally can't even imagine, it, I hear you speaking with almost a smile on your face because you know where your son is and you know who is caring for him. And that's just a pillar of strength that only I know in my bones only comes from the spirit of God. So that's just so awesome to hear today and as we get to know you. The second question I want to ask you is what losing your son has taught you about God? I know that you kind of discovered God in the middle 
of your grief, but what has it taught you if you could sum it up for those of us who are just hearing your story today? Oh boy, going through, you know, something as deep and dark and long (laughs) as losing a child, believe it or not, I think is just one of the most powerful ways to learn about our Heavenly Father because you really just, there's no other source, right? There's no, there's no other source that can give me any comfort. You know how there's no words. Like, what do you say? Um, when somebody's grieving, there's really, there's really nothing to say. Uh, that's very helpful. And so you really have really two choices. You can either turn towards God or you can turn away from God. And, and when you turn towards God, you see him. And when you see, if you seek him, the Bible tells us you will find him. In fact, the Bible tells us he stands at the door and knocks waiting for us to answer. And so I think when you turn to the Lord in your dark places, you turn to God and in your really difficult times when you're really struggling, that's when you'll see him the most clear you've ever seen him before uh, because you're desperate for him. And he loves you so much in those places. He loves you through those moments and really provides that shelter, that refuge, that comfort, that peace. You know, he's the provider of all those things. He's the creator of all those things. And so He's the best source for whatever troubles you're going through and, and certainly grief. And, you know, um, I'm fortunate enough to, to know that I will see Austin again. Um, but I know there's moms and loved ones out there who, who aren't sure, right? Like they'll see their loved ones again. And, and my, my only response to that is, but listen, we know that we will see God again. And we know that heaven will be amazing. And so there are, we have to hold on to what we know is true about our God. And when we cling to what we know is true about God, you know, it really lifts us out of the dark places and we learn so much about him when we look for him. So that would be my encouragement um, about what can you can learn even through grieving a child. Yes, the one thing I love that you said is that we know that we will see God again, especially in the uncertainty of today and what it looks like in the world and in our country. We have to cling to what is true and we can be encouraged when we look at him because we know that what he says he will do and the promises that he makes he will keep. Oh, and I would also add what I learned about God was just so much, uh, so much, um, you know, mostly that he's so good. He really is holy and beautiful. And mm, probably the most important thing I learned in my grieving process and in my, you know, my process of, uh, gosh, I was a brand new believer, Uh, when Austin died so it was like grieving and learning at the same time and and probably the most powerful thing for me that I learned about God I think as a direct result of losing Austin is that God keeps his promises that's what I learned as I studied my Bible all the way through over and over again 
I saw that God keeps his promises. So if he said it, he's going to do it. If he said it, he's going to do it. He keeps his word. And we know in his word that a new day is coming, a new heaven, a new earth, a perfect place. He is going to restore us. He is going to fix this. He is going to create a new heaven and earth that are perfect. And we will live there with him for all eternity. And so um, that's the most important thing probably that I have learned about God is that he absolutely always keeps his promises. Amen. And uh, this kind of leads me into my next question because I know that this, like you have mentioned, this is not like where you are today did not happen right away, right? Grieving is a journey and a process. Kim, how long did it take you to be willing and able to share your story of grief? And how did you decide that it was the right time to do that? Oh my goodness, it took me so long uh, to be willing to share my story of grief and and to write Surviving Sorrow. And uh, I guess it didn't take me too long um, really to tell my story. So that was different, right? Because that's a miraculous story. And it's so, um, it's just so great to tell other people like, hey, you know what? Heaven is real. Like I felt it. I know it. I promise you it's there. Um, so really telling that story, that moment of Austin's passing, that was easy. Um, because I was also a brand new believer, right? And I'm all shiny and new and excited. So telling that like, salvation story that was easy but telling my grief story that was hard and really talking to people about oh geez the struggle of grief and grieving and just all the emotions that go alongside that and impact your relationship with God it that was a little tougher I felt like that was so private and that was so hard that I, I didn't want to do it. I did not want to write uh, Surviving Sorrow. And I argued with God about it for probably about seven years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Seven years at least. And then I finally said, fine, I'll write that book. But then I didn't. I didn't do it. And so how did I decide it was time to do that? Um, really, I was like a toddler in the grocery store who like throws himself down on the floor and won't leave, right? Like, Jeffrey, I was just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, and when I finally said, fine, I'll do it. But then I didn't. Um, God just made things, moved things out of my life and out of my path until really there was no other choice but to write this book. And so I used to tell people that, yeah, pretty much God had to put me in time out. <laughs> uh, God had to put me in time out before I decided that it was time to write the book, uh, Surviving Sorrow. So I don't know if you're out there and you're struggling to kind of answer the call of what God's asking you to do, or you know what God's asking you to do, but you haven't done it yet. I would just encourage you, you may as well go ahead. I mean, God's going to have his way. He's going to have his will and um, you'll be better off. <laughs> now, of course, I wish I would have written it a little bit sooner, but um, I just wasn't ready. And so, yeah, it took a long time and 
uh, I don't feel like I decided when it was time. I feel like God put me in time out until I realized there was no other choice. <laughs> yes, I think that that is so important. I like how you mentioned like God put you in a time out, but I think that waiting until you feel the Lord calling you to share is such a key point. And I love that because joy comes with obedience when you know you're doing what the Lord calls you to do. And maybe there's someone who feels like they're kind of ready to share their story, but they're still struggling on waiting for that call. I think it's so important to really wait until you hear the voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit leading you in that direction and that, that your healing is in a place where you can do that. And I love that your story attests to that. So does sharing your story ever open up the sorrow new? In other words, is there ever sorrow afresh that you feel when you experience sharing your story and telling it so many times and kind of reliving that trauma? And if you have, what are some ways that you've been able to deal with that? if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Boy, a lot of things uh, open up that grief room, that grief wound and pick at the scab a little bit. Um, so sharing my story, I think it's, I think, I think I've done it often enough now that it doesn't really open the wound too much, but there are definitely still other things that, happen in life or that I do or that I try to do that really do still open the wound. I mean, it can be something as simple as, um, you know, just watching a t-ball game and <laughs> seeing two brothers at the park. Like it, there's so many things that can open up that wound when you're a grieving mom. Um, and so you just have to be ready for it a little bit. You get better at dealing with that you know, wound being opened up a little bit. And so, um, you know, it's, ah, gosh, what some ways that I, that you deal with it is I think you learn what your triggers are. So I know that, um, seeing kids around that three-year-old age, uh, with a younger sibling toddling after them, that's, that's tough for me. And so I kind of, if I know I'm going to encounter that, I, I have to pray it up, you know, I have to pray ahead of time and, and ask for strength and, and really just set my boundaries and limit my time. Okay. So I can't, I can't do, I don't want to do that a lot. <laughs> and I don't want to do that for days and days on end. I, I need to do those kinds of things for a smaller amount of time. So I would say probably the number one way to, you know, deal with things that kind of pick at your wounds is to place healthy boundaries, you know, and you, you got to say, you know what, I can do that today just from like 11 to 12. <laughs> or if you know, it's a tough week, like April is our month. Austin's birthday was April 15 and he passed on April 25th. So April pretty much just all around stinks. And so I don't make a lot of commitments in April and I don't expect a lot from myself in April. So I would say those boundaries for others and commitments and things like that for your calendar and things you um, sign up for and commit to, be careful with those things if you know you're going to encounter something that can open up those wounds. So boundaries. But the other thing is really self-care. 
And I think as women, we forget that a lot. And boy, do moms forget that a lot, right? Like you have this sweet newborn baby, uh, so precious. And we just, you know, we're so busy being mom that you kind of forget to take care of yourself. And I think it's the same when we have hard things and, and deep wounds or hard things we're walking through. You know, oftentimes as women and moms, we're, we forget to take care of ourselves. So I would say if, you know, that wound is getting opened up, you need to back up a little bit and, and take inventory and make sure that you're taking care of yourself because the, as the saying goes, if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of others. So you have to put yourself first sometimes when it comes to your deep wounds and, and getting through some of those things. So that would be my advice is boundaries and self-care. Boy, do I have experience with <laughs> uh, pushing that sorrow down. I am very good at that and it, is, it just doesn't work. So <laughs> um, why is it so important to deal with sorrow and not push it down? Is because it doesn't actually work. So when Gosh, not probably was about six months um, after Austin died before I I saw a counselor, and I didn't even see her about the grieving. I I saw her because I I was finding it really difficult to practice law and and to think and to read and to function and do my job. and And she asked me, you know, you know what's happening, and and I was like listing off these things that were happening and. She asked if there was anything stressful and I was like, no, I'm in the same job. I'm in the same, you know, boss. I'm doing the same things I've done for years. I, I just feel like I'm kind of losing my mind and, oh, we did lose our son. And she was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, yeah, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine with the grieving. I'm doing fine with handling, um, the Austin stuff. I'm just doing terribly at work. And she was like, whoa, 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 (laughs) back up. And so here's a couple of things she told me about, you know, what I was doing, which was stuffing my feelings down somewhere else or boxing it up and putting it away, uh, not dealing with it is it's going to come out and it was coming out in different ways. And so, um, you know, grief and, and dark times and troubled times, they're powerful forces and if you don't let them out, um, they're going to come out in some way or another. And um, maybe even in a physical way, uh, like it was happening to me. Like I really could not function. I could not focus. I could not think. Um, so what I had to do, what she recommended, thank goodness, was that I had to make an appointment to grieve. I had to give myself time in my calendar um, to allow those feelings to come out, whatever they were. And I'm a person who doesn't like to show a lot of emotion in front of other people. I did not cry in front of other people. That was not something I was going to do. <laughs> and so she was like, um, okay, uh, you need to cry. So where can you cry? And I, and I was like, usually my car. And she was like, that's not safe. <laughs> so don't cry in your car. Um, Anyways, so I had to make this appointment to grieve 
and I had to find a place to do it because I didn't want to do it at home. I didn't want to upset my husband. I didn't want to upset my baby. Uh, and so, you know, home is where we often have to hold it together, right? And it really isn't safe to lose it in your car. So, um, find a place where you can really let your emotions out. And so, um, there was like a little walking trail where I could kind of get away from people. So I would go on this walking trail and set a time and just allow my emotions to come out, whatever they were. I didn't have to like try to cry, but I had to be open to allowing emotions to come out, whether I was sad or mad or happy or, you know, just flat or I wanted to cry or throw things like whatever the emotion was, I had to let it come out. And boy, that helped me so much. I will be very grateful for a long time to that counselor who told me to make an appointment, uh, to let my, my feelings out. So I would highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you that question because I really feel like recognizing triggers are so, so important and that you have to be <clears throat> self-aware in order to do that. And grieving really does require self-care. And as a mom and a wife and a employee and someone who's working um, for the kingdom of God even, you know, in everything we do as a disciple of Jesus, it can seem overwhelming to do all of that. But I just want to speak to someone who's listening that it is so important to confront emotions and be okay with the fact that whatever you are feeling, even if it is not good, is okay. And dealing with that is normal and okay. And it will get better if you lean in to that process. So I kind of already asked you why it's so important to deal with sorrow and not push it down or ignore it or move on. Um, personally, but I think the next question I want to ask is how did you process through that grief with your husband as a team? Can you share a little bit about what that looks like for both of you as a married couple while also being individuals, um, in dealing with it separately? Uh, my husband, oh, he is so amazing. It's, um, you know, as you might imagine, it's, it's, it's not easy grieving together. Um, and as I mentioned before, like you, I didn't want to grieve in front of him if, because it doesn't, you know, it only hurts him. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't help him. And it, if you're having a bad day and he's having a good day, I didn't want to bring him down and vice versa. So, you know, it really was uh, tough to navigate a little bit, but we were so blessed that with so many things, we were on the same page, but I think it's probably a lot like a lot of other things in your marriage. Um, when you're going through a tough time, you have to talk, you have to communicate, you have to say the real things, uh, in a, you know, in as loving as way as possible, you have to communicate what you need, what you're feeling. You have to communicate your expectations uh, you know, like I am thinking that you're going to go with me to the grocery store. You know, I was thinking that, you know, you're going to go to church with me on Sunday. Um, I need you to go to the grocery store with me, you know, communicating what you need 
and how you're feeling is probably the most important thing um, is, is talking about it because you're not going to want to, at least we didn't, we didn't want to talk about it. Uh, that was another thing we tried to, you know, just stuff away, you know, um, and try to do our normal things, but you really do need to talk about it. And you really need to allow, you know, some room for the other person, right? You can't, um, yes, I was grieving, but Devin's grieving too. Yeah. We're both shattered. And a lot of times when we hit hard stuff, you know, the person next to us is going through the same hard stuff. And so you just got to have an extra dose of grace. Ah, you got to pray. Holy moly. You got to (laughs) pray if you want uh, your relationships to work. Uh, through hard things, you got to pray. That's probably my number one most important advice. You got to pray and you have to talk to God a lot about how to do well with your, with your partner, with your mate, uh, with your husband, because, you know, we can't do it on our own. And so I asked for a lot of help (laughs) and, um, yeah, and I think so did Devin. <laughs> he needed, he would say the same thing. He would have needed a lot of help to deal with me during that time. So pray, pray, pray. So good. Thank you, Kim. The reason that I asked that was because communication is so important in marriage and relationships, but especially in grief. Um, so many marriages are negatively impacted and do end in divorce when couples lose a child and I love that you not only mentioned communication but you also mentioned an extra dose of grace and prayer because even if losing a child is not something we all experience in our marriage or our life or our relationship there will be other things that we grieve and they may not look specifically like Kim or specifically like mine But they're going to pop up and we have to be willing to step in and lean into them. So I am aware of our time. And the last thing I kind of want to ask you, Kim, is what hope would you offer someone who is currently walking through a season of grief? Before we end, that's kind of what I want to hit on is the hope that comes from sorrow. The hope I would want to share with anyone who's listening and walking through a season of grief or even if it's not grief it's just something hard is that this life is temporary I know it feels long oh boy I know how long it feels and it's just not true that's not true life is not long life is very very short and we just can't wrap our mind around it but someday When eternity is here, uh, when heaven is here, when the Lord makes a new heaven and a new earth, and we have all of eternity, forever, forever and ever and ever, we will see how short this life is. And so that's really what helps me on the darkest days is like, oh my goodness, as bad as this hurts, it's only temporary. This is short. This life is a vapor. It's a mere passing shadow. It withers and fades as fast as flowers. Like I rely on all those Bible verses um, to keep my focus on what's real. And what's real is heaven and eternal life with God as believers in Jesus. 
as followers of Christ. That is our true home and our true story. And someday we'll be there. And so that's the hope I hope that you'll cling to is that heaven is waiting. And I hope to see you there. And I would leave you with one final verse. It's my favorite verse in the Bible for um, dark and difficult times. It is in Psalm 34, verse 18. And it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if you're brokenhearted, just reach out, and God will be right beside you. You'll see him. And if you feel like you are crushed in spirit, just know that the Lord saves you from that if you will just turn to him. God bless you. Kim, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your story. I just want to say amen to that and thank you for sharing the hope of your story after grief with us. I'm so, so grateful. Eternity will be here and that is what we have to claim to you.